Today on Not Sam Wrestling, the saga of the bloodline continues. Where are we at now with Cody and Sammy? Hot angles on every single wrestling show this week. A controversial promo from MJF and a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. All right, baby. Welcome to 434. Things are hot. Wrestling's hot. So not Sam Wrestling is hot right along with it. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. I'm excited. So many things going on. Of course, we're getting closer and closer to WrestleMania weekend, week, whatever you want to call it, every single day. You guys know by now, I hope, not Samamania is coming to Los Angeles, California, WrestleMania week at the world-famous comedy store in Los Angeles. You can get tickets if you want to see the live show, live podcast to start the whole week off Wednesday 8 p.m. March 29th. You can go to NotSamLive.com. You can still get your tickets for that. They are moving. Uh, And I was just uh, exchanging emails with the uh, comedy store people about the very exclusive, very limited Not Sam Wrestling X comedy store t-shirt that is going to be available at the event so that everybody can have something to cherish and and take with them when they go home. The Not Sam Amania shirt. Coming to Not Sam Amania at the Comedy Store March 29th at 8 p.m. Get your tickets at NotSamLive.com. So I was doing that today, but uh, over the weekend, I got my wrestling in. I was able to go to the Wrestle Pro Show in Rahway, New Jersey. Uh, say hello to some of the old uh, folks and friends in the Rahway Rec Center that I haven't seen in quite a while. And, uh, you know, and something struck me, right? Because I'm watching. And one of the big matches that they have on the show is Powerhouse Hobbs versus uh, Brian Myers, the former Kurt Hawkins. And, you know, they had a, a handful of AEW stars. Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh were there. And, and uh, Action Andretti was there. And Powerhouse Hobbs was there. And I'm watching Powerhouse Hobbs go. And it struck me that I wonder, you know, we get so caught up in the wrestling wars and picking sides. And I feel like now more than ever, because things are getting so hot for professional wrestling across the board, that we're all so entrenched with the day-to-day and the present that we don't zoom out and think about legacy. What is the legacy? How are people going to remember this thing that we're enjoying right now? And I'm kind of thinking like, the legacy of AEW. What will the legacy of AEW be? You know, because people who love AEW will tell you one thing. Haters will tell you something else. People in the middle will tell you a third thing. And who knows where you land? But as I'm watching Powerhouse Hobbs, I go, I wonder if this is what the legacy of AEW will be. AEW uh, has taken chances on a lot of people. And what AEW does. AEW is a pro wrestling company, for sure. And I know I'm breaking new ground by announcing that here. First, you heard it exclusively. If you're going to use it on your website, make sure you credit the Not Sam Wrestling podcast. AEW is 
a professional wrestling company. Thank you. We do break news. Scoops Roberts is back on the case. Um, but what they do is they've let a lot of people just get out there and have good long wrestling matches on TV and 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 start to learn how to really have good matches. Um, and I don't mean that they didn't know how to have good matches before they got to AEW, but they weren't having them on television. And a new audience is being exposed to them. And I think that there's a group of, of superstars in AEW that regardless of where anything goes, regardless of who stays in business, who goes out of business, regardless of if there's a new promotion, if there's another promotion, if there's a revived promotion, if Impact becomes the number one thing in the world, it doesn't matter. Talent is always going to be talent. The cream always rises to the top. And you look at guys who get their first shot on television in AEW, and 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 I I feel like like that is going to be one of the things that is the legacy of AEW, the same way like the legacy of Ring of Honor, uh, ultimately for an era, right? The legacy of, of a certain era of Ring of Honor is all the guys that ended up on the main event of WWE, right? The sort of Seth Rollins, uh, uh, Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe to an extent, even though he was a little bit before them, um, Adam Coles, you know, the whole undisputed, all of these guys that, that just, and, and, and that's what I say where it's not about predicting where wrestling is going to go because regardless of where wrestling goes, these are the people that the industry is going to be talking about. And you can chase those roots back to ring of honor. When I look at powerhouse Hobbs, right? I go powerhouse Hobbs is a guy who's going to be here for a long time. There's no getting around it. Powerhouse Hobbs, we've barely scratched the surface on him. With the look that he's got, with the ability that he's got, with his desire to continuously and constantly get better. And his background story that I don't even think has been touched on. We were flirting with it when we were doing those uh, uh, vignettes, kind of sort of beginning to tell the backstory of Hobbs. But that hasn't really been flushed out yet. There's there's so much there just beneath the surface that I think we're going to have years and years and years of powerhouse Hobbs in front of us. But I think when you look at it, it's like MJF, for example. MJF is the obvious one. It's the screaming one. AEW put MJF on such a pedestal that the world was able to get to see what this kid can do. And now when his contract is up, he's become so much more valuable. And whether he stays in AEW or he goes to WWE or whatever he does, like MJF is is as close to a household name as you're going to get at this point. And I think that that's, that's something that, that AEW is doing is introducing us. Like for me, I'm going like, okay, Powerhouse Hobbs is going to be around for a long time. MJF, obviously is going to be a star as long as he wants to be a star before he runs off to Hollywood. Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill, as long as she wants to stay wrestling, as long as she keeps getting better, which I think she will keep getting better, there's only upside there. It's just going to be like, oh my, like, like these are going to be the stars. Jamie Hayter's in the same boat to me as Jade Cargill. I don't remember the last time I saw somebody get over so naturally and so organically as I've seen with Jamie Hayter. 
What about uh, 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 Daniel Garcia? I, I look at Daniel Garcia, and I'm like, yeah, these the these are the are the stocks that I would invest in now. These are the stocks that I would invest in and just go, okay, when my kids need to go to college, I'll cash out. I'm putting my money behind Powerhouse Hobbs, Jade Cargill, Daniel Garcia, Takashita. These are the people I'm, I'm putting my money on and I'm gonna cash out in 20 years and go look at the value that I have in front of me. Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks is one of those guys where it's like all he needed, and this is, I think, the legacy, right? There's There are people who all they need is to have the exposure. And once they get the exposure, somebody to take a chance on giving them the exposure, once they get that exposure, it's to the moon. To the moon, baby, Cameron Grimes. To the moon for these people. By the way, where is Cameron Grimes? Anyway, it's to the moon for these people. Ricky Starks is one of them. Swerve is an interesting one because Swerve is on that list, but technically he got that exposure in NXT. He was on the chopping block at a time that he absolutely should not have been on the chopping block. And when you look at people who get released and then they go someplace else and go, I'm going to make you regret the decision that you made. I'm going to go someplace else now and I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to show what a commodity I am. That's Swerve in a nutshell. I mean, again, this is a guy who is only just getting started with what he's capable of doing. But but that's what I was thinking as I was watching Hobbs. I, Hobbs, Swerve, Ricky Starks, Takashita, Daniel Garcia, Daniel Garcia, Jamie Hayter, Jade Cargill, and there's other people too, but these are the people that I would put my money on now and just let it ride. Let it ride, don't even think about it until 15, 20 years from now when you can cash out and realize that you've invested in bona fide Hall of Famers. There was, uh, on that note, while we're talking about it, there was some controversy ooh, around this MJF promo, right? MJF goes on Dynamite and he cuts this uh, this promo about uh, having a, liking, like he liked to drive fast when he was in high school. And, you know, a lot of MJF promos are based on a true story, right? He's like Fargo, where it says based on a true story, but you don't know if it's actually a true story because it's wrestling, right? So he says uh, that he used to love driving fast. You know, he had a Camaro in high school. I guess his parents bought it for him. He's a, he's a, he's a young man of privilege. He has a Camaro. He loves driving fast. He's on the football team. He's a jock. He has his girlfriend. He ends up getting into a car accident, smashes into a telephone pole or whatever he said. The girl's unconscious. She's alive, but unconscious. MJF wakes up. He can't believe what's happened. He sees the lights spinning behind him. And he real quick moves her over to the driver's seat and him in the passenger seat so that she takes the blame for it. Why? Because he was one point away from losing his license. Why would he tell such a despicable story? Well, he wants the world to know that he's a winner and this is what winners do. He wants the world to know that you may be counting him out of this Brian Danielson Ironman match. 
But just when you think you've got all the answers, MJF changes the questions. Ha <laughs> ha. Just when you had counted him out and saying, well, this guy's going to lose his license. <clears throat> because he's despicable. He doesn't play by the rules that everybody else plays by. He doesn't have these, these moral codes that are tying him down like a giant in Gulliver's Travels. No, not MJF. MJF is not tied down by the constrictions of society. MJF is soulless and conscienceless. MJF only wins. And as despicable as this is, this is an example of MJF winning. And look, you know, he made a gesture using his hand, tongue, and cheek, which was very untoward, okay? Not a classy gesture whatsoever. But as he's telling this story, I go, okay. MJF cutting a heel ski promo. I'm not mad at that. Maybe crossing some lines. People said that crossed the line, you know? Can't be talking like that. That's They crossed the line. And it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of... It's been established that that's what MJF does. If you don't want the line crossed, don't give MJF a microphone, right? If you don't want to offend anybody, if you want nobody to be offended, don't let MJF have the mic. And I guess as a villain, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get under people's skin. Now, I still don't know that MJF as a villain has great long-term potential because he's literally the most popular wrestler in AEW. I don't care what sounds people make when he walks to the ring. I don't care how despicable he tries to be. When you go, who's the most popular wrestler in AEW, it's MJF by a mile. So, you know, it is what it is. That's why it's so hard to find a good guy to face him, right? Mox is the only good guy that's, that's popular enough to actually contest it. Mox is as popular as any wrestler could be for, for the AEW audience. And I get it. There's no, he's maybe the most authentic professional wrestler in the world is John Moxley. There's no way, even if you think, nah, I don't like that stuff. I don't like that stuff. One promo, one match, you're like, yeah, this Mox guy is pretty cool. I get it. But we've already seen the match. It's already happened. Now, I'm getting off on, on a tangent because my point was not that, that, you know, we got to find more. And of course, Brian Danielson is one of the most popular wrestlers of all time. So we're going to be fine for the pay-per-view in March. But um, my point was that apparently, if this is true, and I hope and pray, and it's got to not be true, but it was reported. And again, it was reported on Wrestling Twitter, which Wrestling Twitter also reported that NXT superstars were going to start wrestling on the independents because Ivy Nile was advertised for a Booker T show. Wrestling Twitter also reported, they all report that, you know, the Saudis were buying WWE and it's done. And like, wrestling Twitter is a crazy place. Sorry for the interruption, guys, but I have a question. Why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder in water once a day? I'm talking vitamins. I'm talking AG1 by Athletic Greens. It's the morning jumpstart that you need. Just scoop Shake and have alongside your morning coffee. Listen, I know it's hard to get all your vitamins in. You're worried about eating nutritiously and everything. I eat terribly. So what do I do to make sure that this body of mine is treated like a temple? It's that AG1, baby. And it really does make a difference. Like you don't realize how great you don't feel 
until you actually start to feel great. That's what AG1 is all about. It's packed with over 75 vitamins and minerals for a major boost to your gut, your mood, your energy, your skin, your hair, your nails. I got the best nails of my life. I got the nails of a 25-year-old at this point. AG1 gives you increased energy and mood support, and well, mood support. It'll give you mood and support, but mainly mood support, making it easy to live your best life. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash not Sam. That's athleticgreens.com slash not Sam. Check it out. A lot of people are saying that apparently the Nassau Police Department in God's country, as MJF calls it, Nassau, Long Island, got many phone calls after AEW, potentially tipping them off to the fact that MJF confessed to a crime. Now, look, I would hope that we as wrestling fans uh, are a little bit better than that. This would be the equivalency of calling uh, the school district in, 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 uh, in New Mexico and saying uh, one, of your, one of your school teachers, Mr. White, physics teacher, is, well, he's dealing in narcotics. You should put an end to this. It'd be like calling the police department and saying, you should, you should look into Los Pollos Hermanos. They don't just sell chicken there, if you know what I mean. This Gus Fring. I mean, it's insane. It would be like calling police departments in New Jersey and saying, hey, this cigarette racket going on. Check out this Maltasanti kid, Christopher Maltasanti. I mean, this is a television show. If there is any adult out there that's listening to this show right now, if you're an adult, a child doing it, that's fine. You can trick a child. But if you're an adult and you legit called the police department where MJF went to high school, I can't believe that anybody actually did this. I don't believe that anybody actually did this. But if you did, and you're watching this or listening to this right now, please stop immediately because we have to be better than that as wrestling fans. I, I saw a thing on TV. I got to figure out if it's true or not. I mean, this is not that far off. I, have, I cannot believe the takes that some people have. In 2023, Seth Rollins is going around. He went on Instagram Live, which he never goes on Instagram Live, but I don't know why he just decided to go on Instagram Live. He goes on Instagram Live. Okay, here's the timeline. Royal Rumble. Logan Paul eliminates Seth Rollins. The Raw after the Royal Rumble. Catherine Kelly brings up Logan Paul eliminating Seth Rollins and Seth goes eerily quiet. It really bothers him. Seth Rollins goes on an Instagram live and he says that he does not like Logan Paul and that Logan Paul is not here for the right reasons. Logan Paul is here for the attention. Logan Paul is here for the fame. Ultimately, Logan Paul is not a professional wrestler and he is. Seth Rollins during a Super Bowl uh, Radio Row, Media Row Week, he goes on the Pat McAfee show who had a beautiful setup down there for the Super Bowl Media Road. I think FanDuel must have set him up with. I think FanDuel is the company. They're not sponsoring this show, so if I got it wrong, no sweat off my back. 
But Seth goes, uh, yeah, no, I don't like Logan Paul. Uh, he's not a wrestler. He's not here for the right reasons. And I don't need him in my locker room. Now, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who legitimately feel this way. And I'm sure that regardless of how good his matches with Roman Reigns are, that there is a, a portion, at least, of the WWE locker room that doesn't feel all that welcoming towards Logan Paul. And that's fine. It doesn't bother me that they don't feel that way. But I have seen wrestling fans, WWE fans, going, well, I guess we're not getting the match at WrestleMania then. What? <laughs> well, I guess we're not getting the match then. Yeah, you know, you're right. Because one wrestler publicly going out and attacking another one, that's usually a good cue that you're not going to get a match at a big show. I mean, come on. Clearly, this is the story that we have going in to Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. Now, it'll be really interesting because this is the this will be the first time, if this is the story that we're telling, and it seems like it is, this will be the first time that they're embracing the fact that people boo Logan Paul. Logan Paul went into, I mean, I guess he went in to WrestleMania last year as a heel because he was teaming with The Miz, but ultimately was turned babyface by The Miz when The Miz turned on him. At SummerSlam, when Logan Paul wrestled, he went in as a babyface against The Miz, and even The Miz could not make Logan Paul a babyface. At, uh, 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 in Saudi with the Roman Reigns match, Logan Paul went in as a babyface. And people didn't buy him as a babyface going in, I don't think. I think the live audience cheered him. They were happy to see him. But I don't think they bought into his babyfaceness until he actually wrestled an incredible match. Once he had that great match, it was like, okay. When he went into the Royal Rumble, he was booed. Heavy. And the WWE, they embraced it. You know, they had, they started telling that Seth Rollins story. They started telling the story of wrestlers not loving that Logan Paul was there by showing these wrestlers all get together. The one commonality that the good guys and the bad guys all had was that they found Logan Paul annoying. So they all attacked him and the audience seemed happy about this until Logan did that spot with Ricochet, which was amazing, where they jumped from either side of the ring and collided. So I think that that's really the story of Logan Paul. And I think that no matter what, I think it's gonna take reps and reps and reps before, and even that's an if, if it's an if. Who's to say, maybe if that, Logan Paul uh, ever really is embraced by wrestling fans. But I do think that as a, as a villain, wrestling fans will embrace Logan Paul. I do think that, that wrestling fans will happily boo him in matches. I don't think wrestling fans will be disappointed at Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. I think at this point, wrestling fans will probably be pretty psyched and, and probably have pretty high expectations for that match and realize that, you know, we now know Logan Paul is capable of a lot. And Seth Rollins is capable of a lot. This this feels like a really great match. And I think that's what we're going to get. Um, for me, going into this, I think Logan Paul is the heel. I think Seth Rollins is the babyface. I think 
this is one that Seth Rollins should absolutely win straight up. If you look at what Seth has done, right, for over a year now, he went into Royal Rumble, had his match with Roman, and I guess he won by DQ, whatever. He, he didn't technically straight up lose because Roman has never straight up beaten Seth Rollins, but he also couldn't beat Roman Reigns. So he didn't beat Roman Reigns. And then he had this whole storyline about how he couldn't get a WrestleMania match. Now, what kind of guy can't get a WrestleMania match? He couldn't get a WrestleMania match. Finally, Mr. McMahon gives him one. He gets a match with Cody Rhodes. Cody beats him. He goes to WrestleMania Backlash in a rematch with Cody Rhodes. Cody beats him. He goes to Hell in a Cell. He gets Cody Rhodes again with a torn pectoral. Cody beats him. And if you kind of look at Seth in the last 14 months, his win-loss record is not great. The ability to have great matches is incredible. Seth Rollins right now in wrestling is probably better than anybody else at making people forget that he lost. You know, people say that all the time. Oh, he's so good, he doesn't need to win. But you stack up losses for just about anybody and it will affect the way you look at them. I mean, you know, we suspend disbelief here, but we're looking at characters and we have to judge a character based on the behaviors of that character. And if you're a character whose behavior is that you lose a lot, people are gonna expect you to lose. Seth has not fallen victim of that because he's so freaking good at what he does. And we're just left with this faith that when he was able to turn babyface without ever really changing what he did and without ever really winning like a giant match or anything, he just turned babyface flipped a switch and we were all like, yeah, okay, we do love Seth. We all love Seth. So I think just based on the fact of where he's come from, just based on the fact of where he was at WrestleMania last year and everything that's happened since then, I think if Seth is going to WrestleMania to face Logan Paul, I think the idea of Seth Rollins being a serious, we're finally ready, right? For Seth Rollins to be a serious contender for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship to be the guy, to have that conversation where Seth Rollins is the guy. He was a great champion previously, but it was a villainous champion. It was a heel champion. It was a champion that was helped. It was a champion who was, you know, in the authority's back pocket. I think that his next run as champion, where he was a babyface, the timing just wasn't right. It just didn't, that one didn't do it for me, dog. But now I think Seth has skyrocketed off of a point uh, that was already so high that I've said this before. I don't think people have quite caught up to how good Seth Rollins is. Uh, and I think that now coming off of WrestleMania this year, I think that'll be the time to remind everybody, to let everybody know to spell it out for them. No, 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 no. He really is this good. Seth is special. And I think that getting a win, straight up, clean, boom, over Logan Paul will do that. Especially because Logan Paul can then move on. And maybe you want to try to start moving him towards babyface, whatever. Like, 
Logan Paul can tell an entirely different story because he doesn't have to come back until SummerSlam, theoretically, right? SummerSlam is another stadium show they announced this week. It's going to be in uh, Soldier's Field, I think. Is that what it's called? Or Ford Field? I don't know. The stadium in Detroit. We're putting it in a stadium in Detroit. I would imagine that with a stadium show, we'll get Logan Paul back in the ring. So by SummerSlam, you can tell an entirely new story and it won't matter that he lost at WrestleMania, especially because you can find somebody to give him another win and move on from there, right? He beat The Miz. He fought hard enough against Roman that he earned a ton of credibility. He eliminated Seth in the Rumble. Seth gets the win, gets to start skyrocketing forward, and then Logan can have his match with whoever he has his match with, you know, months after WrestleMania. I think that's the only way that it makes sense to me. Uh, I, I was, uh, you know, it was Super Bowl weekend, obviously, this weekend. The Super Bowl was on Sunday. And now, when whenever the Super Bowl is on, I remember how excited I was when the WWE ran that Super Bowl spot. I think, I think they said... Somebody in the Discord posted it. I think uh, the Patreon Discord, by the way. I think uh, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. I think that um, this was the 24th anniversary, which makes sense. Super Bowl 1999. That's probably right. January of 99 is where they, when they would have run that spot. That sounds about right. We're good, wholesome family entertainment. I mean, it feels like yesterday for me, but you know. I'm an old guy. I think uh, 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 if you haven't seen it, go YouTube it because it's so good. A guy goes out the window. Vince McMahon goes, get it? And it really was this like marker. Like in 1999, even more so than now because it was before the internet was what the internet is. Super Bowl advertisements were the creme de la creme. It was like this is this is what we talk about, you know. I think that they try to maintain that position and and that tradition a little bit now, but it's not the same as it used to be. It's like it was headline news if you were doing a Super Bowl ad. And it was headline news when WWE was doing a Super Bowl ad. And it was actually a good ad, you know. There was like there there was real conversation and people rating which were the best ads, what was most effective, blah blah blah. But it was also, you know, WWE was uh was white hot at the time. And it's hard to explain just how hot WWE was. It was like, you know, the world was not nearly as segmented as it is now, where it's hard for anything to be that hot anymore. You didn't have access. Like right now, anybody, because of the internet, can create their own bubble of anything that they want, right? Like if you're just in to collecting model trains, you could just surround yourself with model train content 24 hours a day and nothing else has to penetrate your bubble if you want to live life that way. That really wasn't the case in 99, but like, you know, there's a great scene in Beyond the Mat where there's the marketing meeting that Vince McMahon is in and the guy tells him that uh, WWE and South Park, which was enormous, I don't have to tell you, South Park, are battling it out for number one in terms of merchandising. And that tells you everything you need to know that like culturally, WWE was the biggest thing in the world. But I think, you know, importantly, it was just that the product was hot. And I, I think that the industry is heating up now in ways that it hasn't in a long time. 
I think pro wrestling, you know, it was it started to get real hot before the pandemic when AEW first launched because it was like all this conversation and everything. And probably from then until maybe until the pandemic, because I think CM Punk coming back gave it a, a, a boost, too. But I think uh, I, I, I think now. It's probably even hotter than it was then. Um, I mean, you look at, you know, what do you have? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Four shows during the work week. Five-day work week. Four shows. And every single show had a can't-miss hot angle on it. You know, we'll talk about it, all the Bloodline stuff on SmackDown. The Heyman and Cody thing on Raw. We were just talking about uh, Dynamite this week. Not only the MJF promo, but the Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson Roosh match, the uh, uh, Takeshita versus MJF opener, like you know, and then even NXT. This is this was the thing that I was like, man, things are good, man. Everything the 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 the, the rising tide is raising all ships. It really is remarkable that even on NXT. There's an angle that you've got to talk about. The breakup of toxic attraction was done so well, I thought. On paper, it was done well. The stuff that happened accidentally, as tends to happen on live TV, made it even better. I thought the door not breaking added to it. So, you know, toxic attraction comes out. And first, I think a lot of people thought that toxic attraction would break up in the triple threat match at the premium live event, you know, Adventure's Day, and they didn't. Um, but secondly, I think that people thought that if they were to break up, that Gigi Dolan would be the Sean, that Gigi Dolan would be the heel, that Gigi Dolan would be the one that instigated the breakup. So throwing everybody off course, you know, Bailey's out there, so it's a high-profile segment because Bailey's on NXT, and when you get a big star, Bailey is a big main roster star. When you get a big star from the main roster coming over to NXT, you got eyeballs. She's bringing ding dong, hello. And she's got toxic attraction on. The breakup happens and they go word for word, bar for bar. They did the barbershop angle, which I think is great on a, a bunch of different levels. Number one, even though it's referenced a ton, they haven't really physically tributed it as much as other things have been tributed. Number two, the fact that, you know, it's it's a tip of the hat to a lot of us who are watching NXT that are well aware that Shawn Michaels is in charge. It's a wink. It's a nudge. It's beautiful. But I think the fact that J.C. Jane was the one that did it, and I think that that was the right call because Gigi Dolan's going to be fine no matter what. I think your best, your your highest likelihood to make two stars, because that's wouldn't that be great? If you break up a team and everybody becomes a star off the team, I think this is the way to make everybody a star coming off a of toxic attraction. Who knows? Maybe you bring Mandy Rose back. Maybe she saves Gigi Dolan at some point. I, that would be killer. If Mandy Rose shows up at Stand and Deliver, I think because that's what you do, right? You build Gigi and JC to a match at Stand and Deliver. Oh, if Mandy Rose comes out and helps Gigi at Stand and Deliver out of nowhere, 
People would flip out. People would lose their minds. What a moment. Well, they had that moment. But as I said, it didn't go 100% according to plan because the door didn't break. Right? I think Is there a problem? I don't think so. We were trying to get that moment. We got the super kick. And then we tried to get the throw through the barbershop window, but it was going to be the throw through the ding-dong hello door. Little did we know that the ding-dong hello door don't open for nobody. And Gigi gets thrown into the door. Somebody locked it. So JC decides, okay, I'll just kick her in the face real quick and she'll fall through the door. JC kicks her in the face and she just gets met by a locked door. Does Gigi. Gigi Dolan posted uh, photos on her Twitter. It just had that big, scorching red boot print on the side of her face. It looked brutal. It looked brutal on TV, but that's what you want. You want brutality. You want it to look real. And I think it's going to, I mean, I'm tuning in next week. I want to see what happens next. That's what it's all about. Finding out what happens next. I can't believe we're only... Uh, whatever it is, five days away from Elimination Chamber. The Elimination Chamber pay-per-view as it stands right now, obviously this uh, show comes out Monday morning, so Monday Night Raw has not aired yet. We've got the United States Championship Elimination Chamber match, Austin Theory versus Seth Rollins versus Johnny Gargano versus Bronson Reed versus Damian Priest versus Montez Ford. Um, I don't know how you're going to eliminate Bronson or Seth, but I do think that Austin Theory comes out of this with the title. And I think that because I think he's going to defend the title against John Cena at WrestleMania. I think Austin Theory as champion allows him a path to a bigger WrestleMania match than Austin Theory without the title. I think Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul isn't made any bigger with the United States Championship. I mean, you could argue it's intriguing that Logan Paul, the idea of Logan Paul being the United States champion, like that, that is that the direction they're going in? Like, but you know, I don't think they need it. Um, I don't think Bronson Reed needs the United States championship. He can be a beast without it. So yeah, I kind of I kind of see Austin Theory holding on to the title and saying, you know, I'm the man, nobody can beat me. I beat everybody in the chamber. Who's gonna stop me? Maybe he decides, maybe he decides to do an open challenge. And he gets answered by the man who created the open challenge, John Cena. You've got the Raw Women's Championship uh, opportunity match. The winner of this one will face Bianca Belair at WrestleMania 39. Asuka, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Raquel Rodriguez, Natalia, and Carmella. We saw Natalia in a big segment on SmackDown this week that saw the return of Ronda Rousey. Um, Carmella returning on Raw on Monday. Um, for me... I mean, it, it could definitely be Liv Morgan, probably not. Could definitely be Asuka, depending on what direction they want to go in with the new character. Um, but I think ultimately, I think it'll be Raquel Rodriguez. I think that's the story they're going to tell at WrestleMania. Raquel Rodriguez versus Bianca Belair. You got Edge and Beth Phoenix versus The Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. I think this is great. I would imagine The Judgment Day will win because I think we're going to WrestleMania with Edge and uh, uh, Young Fergal. And uh, the undisputed WWE Universal Championship match, Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. Uh, we saw Lita return on Monday Night Raw. She took on, uh, she she helped uh, uh, 
Becky Lynch in the cage match against Bailey. I between it was it was Lita, Becky, Bailey. I was just thinking of Beth, so excuse me for taking a minute there. Uh I would imagine, so here's the heavy rumor. The heavy rumor is that on Raw, we're going to see Trish Stratus and that at Elimination Chamber, we're going to get a six-person tag, which is going to be Trish, Lita, and Becky versus uh, uh, the, the damage control, which sucks because, I mean, Trish, Becky Lynch, and Lita is literally a team that you would make out of your Mattel action figures. It's a team that you would do on 2K23. Like, it's like a super team. It's insane. There's no way that Damage Control can beat them. And it seems like Damage Control uh, is put in a position where they lose a lot. So I don't love that. Uh, but I do love the idea of seeing Becky, Trish, and Lita all on the same team. I think that's going to be awesome. And at some point, they're doing an A&E rival show with Trish and Lita, so a and probably pretty happy about that. All right, let's get into it, okay? Let's get in to what we're all here for. Let's get into what this podcast has become, and that is, as the bloodline turns, this story is, is heating up in ways that even I didn't expect. So I said last week, I said on this podcast, I put out a video, the whole thing, uh, I talked about how one could get to Cody versus Roman because in the conversation that we had last week, I was speculative as to whether Cody would have the fan support that he needed. And I was explaining how we could get there with that fan support. What I didn't take into account was what was really going on. I was going by what has happened traditionally in WWE and kind of in pro wrestling in general, which is there's one way that fans really want to go. And there's another way that the company wants to go. Usually when there's two options, that's what we're dealt with. And more often than not, the company goes, okay, how do we get the fans on our side? Every now and then they acquiesce and we get a WrestleMania 30 situation. But generally, they go, okay, and, and that's kind of what was in my head. The company wants Cody. The fans want Sammy. How do we get to what we want to do? And I, I gave an explanation as to why, but I was incorrect last week. I was wrong. What I was wrong about was that that's not the situation that we're in. Because what we've got is, is, is somewhat unprecedented. It doesn't happen very often at all. But we've got a situation where I believe, especially after this week, fans want to see both matches. It's not one or the other, it's both. The only dilemma is if you're not going to deliver one of them, the disappointment that we'll have about not seeing one of them. Because it's gotten to the position where one may not necessarily be better than the other. It's both. Fans love both stories. And that became abundantly clear when Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman shared the ring on Monday Night Raw. It was almost as if the WWE read the tea leaves. Triple H was reading what was going on on Twitter. Maybe Triple H was listening to my podcast. Maybe Triple H was on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel watching vids and going like, oh, 
This guy, Sam Roberts, thinks that we don't know what we're doing. This guy, Sam Roberts, thinks that everybody wants to see Sammy instead of Cody. Oh, this guy, Sam Roberts, thinks that Cody needs to uh, go through more struggle. Okay. Let's show this guy, Sam Roberts, what it means to play the game. I'm assuming that's what Triple H said. Because we got a Cody Rhodes, Paul Heyman promo on Monday Night Raw. And if you didn't want to see Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes after that promo, you better check your pulse because it may be time to bury you six feet underground. That promo was magnificent. It was almost as if Paul Heyman and Cody Rhodes sat back and said, look, we have to prove to the people that this is the story that they want to see. And they said, no problem. Hold my beer. And they went out there and weaved this tale. And even as they were doing the promo, you didn't know which direction. You thought you could call where they were going and they didn't go there. Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman are there. And Cody says that, that, that you know, he brought up, and this is an emotional time, and he's pulled it out in a couple of promos, the time when Dusty, after being a top guy for as long as he was, after being on top of the industry, after being a guy who had it all and money was not an object, that Dusty fell on some hard times, hard times. And that there wasn't money coming in, that there was an income problem in the Rhodes family. And that Paul Heyman hired Dusty Rhodes. He even name-dropped Steve Carino, which I love. Because as an ECW fan, the Dusty Rhodes, Steve Carino, king of old school, high spot, Jack Victory era is tremendous for me. But he says, uh, Paul brought Dusty in and said he would pay him. And of course, we all know the, the stereotypes of Paul Heyman and the way he ran ECW. We all think that Cody's going to say, uh, and, and Paul didn't pay him. We all think, you know, we're going to get to WrestleMania because Cody is still mad that Paul stiffed Dusty on a payday. We didn't get that. We're going way deeper than that. What are we, simpletons? He says Paul did the right thing. Paul paid Dusty well. Cody said everybody wants to make this personal. This isn't a personal issue. He's just trying to win a wrestling championship. Roman Reigns can be the head of the table. Roman Reigns can be the tribal chief. Cody just wants to win the undisputed WWE Universal Championship to do something that Dusty didn't get to do. He's already halfway there by headlining WrestleMania. Rhodes hasn't done that. Now he wants to be the man. And there was a, an unspoken tension between Paul and Cody where Cody was like, hey man, I'm just trying to be a good guy. And Paul goes, no, 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 no. You've stepped onto the island of relevancy without permission. You are threatening the tribal chief's reign and the tribal chief does not respond kindly to that. So what did Haman do? Haman reflected on the memories that he had with Dusty. The conversations that he had with Dusty, the fact that, 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 that Haman knew Dusty not just when he was booking ECW, but Heyman knew Dusty when he was first getting started, when he was, you know, sneaking into wrestling shows however he could sneak into. When he was, I'll be a photographer, I'll be whoever, just to get in the room. Dusty was the one who was in that room with him. And that's the relationship that they had, and that relationship grew, and that relationship grew to the point where Dusty was training guys in FCW and then in NXT. 
Dusty interacted with Roman before Paul even did. And that's when Dusty, Paul Heyman says, told Paul that Cody was his favorite son. And Cody got a little choked up there. Oh my gosh. Goldust was sitting there watching TV going, oh, come on, what the hell? That's not, it wasn't about Goldust. Cody was like, oh man, that's very meaningful what you just said, Paul. And Paul said, let me finish. But Roman Reigns was the son he wishes he had. And oh, did that stab. Oh, was that a shot to the gut? Cody, you want to come out here and you want to talk about your father? You want to talk about the legacy? You want to talk about, well, okay, let's talk about it. And Cody got right in Heyman's face. He got right in Heyman's face and he said, I said I didn't want to make this personal. But Paul at WrestleMania, I am going to personally take the championship away from Roman Reigns. He said, I'm not going to take this out on you, Paul, but you just cost your boy the title. Cody even brought up Sammy earlier in the promo. He brought up Sami Zayn and said, maybe I'll fight my friend. He said, Sammy was his friend. Maybe I'll face Sami Zayn. Planting the seeds as if to say, look, we're not at Elimination Chamber yet. And if Sami Zayn beats Roman Reigns, we got a story there too. So don't go thinking that you know what's going to happen before it's going to happen. And Paul Heyman is shook. And he shows up on SmackDown five days later. gets the ring to himself. Tribal Chief's not in the building. He's got the two titles on his shoulders. Of course, the Universal Championship, the big blue. Buttons, not Velcro, because that's how Roman gets down. Snaps, I guess, not buttons, snaps. But he says, uh, you know, I've been all about the spoilers. All about the spoilers. Ever since Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker streak, which is true. That's where it started. He said, first spoiler, Sami Zayn's not here tonight. Boo, people were very mad. They want to see Sami Zayn. He's the big baby face. And then he said uh, 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 all kinds of stuff, he, but he basically broke down how important the titles are. He said, Cody said on Raw that he doesn't want to make this personal. He just wants to win a wrestling championship. He said, I can't believe that Dusty raised an idiot for a son. Hey, dumbass. This is beyond personal. This, these titles are the island of relevancy. These titles are what the tribal chief is the chief of. These are the table that he's the head of. He said that without these titles, there's no island of relevancy. Without these titles, there's no bloodline. Without these titles, there's no Paul Heyman. And without these titles, there's no Roman Reigns. So first of all, going back to what we said last week, that even brings more full circle. We ain't splitting these titles anytime soon because the titles have been established as everything. Everything. That's when Sami Zayn comes out. I thought you weren't here. He takes the hoodie off again. That damn hoodie, it's disguising Sami everywhere he goes. But he gets right in Paul's face once again, the same way Cody did. And he let Paul know that here's the spoiler you know exactly how much time Roman Reigns has as undisputed universal champion. Because in eight days at the Elimination Chamber in Montreal, and he said it right, he said Montreal, he's going to be 
the WWE Universal Champion. And he cited the fact that the bloodline was falling apart and that Paul Heyman had no backup. There was no Solo Sokoa. There was no Jimmy Uso. There was no Jey Uso. Where is everybody? Paul Heyman is now doing the unthinkable. He's, he's talking about a world post-bloodline. That never would have happened a month ago. What happened, Paul? What's the difference, Paul? He says the bloodline is falling apart. So if you watched wrestling on Monday, you were fired up for Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. If you watched wrestling on Friday, you were fired up for Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. And on Monday, they mentioned Sami, and on Friday, they mentioned Cody. We are in an era where we fans are fired up. That's one of the reasons why WWE and professional wrestling is so hot right now. Because Roman Reigns, who so many wrestling fans are like, he's boring, the bloodline's boring. We've now got two massive stories that are fueling the industry because people are so excited to see how these pan out. And look, I don't know how it's going to go. At this point, it's like, it's gotten so hot. Can you shift to the Usos versus Sammy and Kevin? Where has Kevin been, by the way? That was what I said last week. We saw Jay come back. You know, he came out of the crowd, not with the bloodline. He came out of the crowd, successfully defending the tag titles with Jimmy. Jimmy seemed happy to see Jay. Jay seemed happy to see Jimmy. Jay also talked to Sammy privately. Jay dapped up Sammy Zayn. Sammy said, I acknowledge you and pushed on him the fact that the bloodline was going away. Now, look, I mean, if you look at this from any other perspective, Sami Zayn is absolutely a villain. Roman Reigns is 100% right. Sami Zayn is going to this family and saying, your family is, self, is, is destructing. Your family is crumbling. The family unit is being destroyed. But you can get out now. Come with me. I mean, you talk about poisoning the well. Roman's not wrong about what Sammy is doing to his family. I have no idea how Elimination Chamber is going to go. I mean, I think I guess the Usos won't be there, right? The Usos have Friday off. Paul Heyman said that the that the tribal chief, and in a very menacing way to Jimmy, that the tribal chief thought that the Usha, Usos should watch the show from home. Now you can get into the, the legal stuff that Jimmy has, whatever. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. This isn't the legal problems of WWE Superstars podcast. This is the Not Sam Wrestling podcast where we try to get through storylines. So I don't know if they they both won't be there. I don't know. But I mean, oh, Heyman, I would have put you on the phone with him, but uh, we don't get any reception back here. Slapping him on the arm too many times, pinching a little bit. I mean, whew. And then glaring at him as he walked out behind his back. Something is happening. I believe that the bloodline will be back. Well, here's what I think. I think we're teasing an end to the bloodline. And I think we're going to build towards WrestleMania where it looks like the bloodline is indeed collapsing. And I think that the conclusion of WrestleMania is going to be the bloodline is stronger than ever. 
I think that the reason that we're teasing that the bloodline is being destroyed is because it's gonna make it more realistic that Roman Reigns might not win at WrestleMania. I think that this year at WrestleMania, it's gonna be all about the idea that Roman might not win. Because honestly, when was the last time we went into a Roman Reigns match and it seemed like he might not win? I don't even remember the last Roman Reigns match where I thought he might not win. But I think that we're already laying the groundwork to tell the story that Roman Reigns might not win and that the bloodline is not strong and that there there is, what does this look like beyond the bloodline, right? And we're already setting up that Roman will be gone off TV for a while. Maybe Paul Heyman will be gone too. The Island of Relevancy will, you know, it'll be over. This will be the end of the story. It's been a two year plus long story. Two years in August, so almost two and a half years. And I went back, by the way, and watched some of those original promos between Roman and Jey Uso. Incredible. Go on YouTube and watch. At some point, maybe after WrestleMania, I'll do a whole Bloodline podcast. It's amazing. When Jey Uso, he's shouting at Roman, and he goes, he goes, this is like two and a half years ago, and he goes, he goes, Roman, everybody goes, there he goes, there he, there's the big dog, there's the boss, there's Roman Reigns. You know what they say to me? Which one are you? And it was like, oh, Jey shouldn't have to deal with that. I think it's all being set up to create doubt. And what will inevitably happen is Roman beats Cody. And the bloodline shows up on the Raw after WrestleMania stronger than ever. Now, I think we'll also set up a new opponent for Roman on the on the WrestleMania after Raw, but that's that's why I think it's all happening. I love it. I love every bit of it. Let me get into some of these emails. We got a ton of emails after last week's show. NotSamWrestling at gmail.com is, of course, uh, uh, the email address. NotSamWrestling at gmail.com. And I uh, I just grabbed a few of them, okay, because I don't want to get repetitive. But they're all about this stuff. Uh, this is from Matt in Boston. Hi, Sam. I disagree with the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens versus the Usos WrestleMania Night 1 main event. Not because it would, wouldn't be the best story, but because I can't wrap my head around Zayn Owens' team in this current story. Kevin Owens has turned on Sammy so many times in WWE. Sammy would be a rube and a fool to team with him again. Kevin Owens will turn on him. Take out the Not Sam pen and book us a way to get them together that makes more sense than simply their friend's IRL. And I'm in. Barring, here's my alternative. Night one, show closer, Jay Uso with Sammy Zayn versus Jimmy Uso with Solo or with Kevin Owens from Matt in Boston. Matt, I appreciate what you're saying and you're not wrong, but we've already told the story. We've told the story that uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are basically brothers, that Sami Zayn joined this family, this bloodline family, and felt the, the only thing that compared to the loyalty that he felt for this family was the loyalty that he felt with his friend, his brother, Kevin Owens. Brothers fight. Brothers turn on each other. Brothers have sibling rivalries, but they're always brothers. And I think that's the story that you're telling with Sammy and KO, that they're brothers. So of course they're getting together. Now your alternative is Jimmy Uso versus Jey Uso, which is interesting. But the idea that this hot angle was all set up for Sami Zayn to be at ringside, for Sami Zayn to play the role of manager, come on. You think that here in the middle of February, 
as we've got Sami Zayn versus Roman and Cody Rhodes versus Roman simultaneously being the two hottest stories in wrestling, vying for position for one and two. You think that six weeks from now, we're at the point where we take the baby face of one of those programs and go, oh, we'll have him at ringside for the match. We'll have him be a manager. That I don't see. Uh, this one's from Joe. First time, long time this past week. You had great ideas for the WrestleMania main event, Usos versus Sammy and Kevin. I think this match is a must for a long time. I've assumed the Usos would lose one or both titles before Roman lost either. Night two's entire story would revolve around the bloodline fractured. Roman shook and losing confidence. Could Cody really be the one? I think right there, Joe is already bringing up what has already been happening. Where we're already talking about the fractures in the bloodline, which obviously this email was written before SmackDown because that's what SmackDown was all about. Uh, my only issue with this is the women's match. Two rumbles, two promised main events. Last year, Kevin Owens' KO show closed Mania, and while technically not a match, I still felt bad for the women. How do we keep the prestige of the Rumble and the credibility of the women's division if they keep getting pushed down for a men's match? Love the show. Thank you. Well, Joe, I would say that the biggest match goes on last. The hottest match goes on last. That's just the way it's always been. And even with the men's Rumble match, the, the main event is not what's promised in the Royal Rumble. A title match is what's promised in the Rumble. When Edge won the Royal Rumble, he wrestled the opening match. That's happened many times. There have been many times where the winner of the Royal Rumble is not in the main event. Go back to WrestleMania 8. Ric Flair won the Royal Rumble. He was middle of the card defending against Randy Savage, which I guess technically that wasn't the promised main event. I mean, Yokozuna... Well, I guess Yokozuna was in the main event, but he lost to Hogan, whatever. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Let's go to WrestleMania 11. WrestleMania 11. You're not going to get around this argument. Shawn Michaels wins the 1995. Let's see. WrestleMania 9, what is 93? Yeah, WrestleMania 10 was 94. So 1995 Royal Rumble, Shawn Michaels wins. He goes to WrestleMania. He uh, uh, is on midway through and Bam Bam Bigelow is Sean versus Diesel. Diesel is defending champion. And Bam Bam Bigelow and Lawrence Taylor main evented that show. So it's not a women's thing. You know, I, I, to win the women, to win the men's Royal Rumble doesn't guarantee you the last match on the show. So by the same token, to win the women's Royal Rumble match doesn't guarantee you the last match on the show. That said, Becky Lynch won the Royal Rumble. There was one night of WrestleMania. She was on last because that was the hottest angle. Uh, Cornelius says, challenge accepted. The main event at WrestleMania could and will be Ray versus Dom. I do not see that as the main event. I see that happening. Hopefully it'll be a retirement match. Uh, Ray versus Dom, I want to see at WrestleMania. I don't see it being the main event of either night. It, the story is... You're not, it's not touching. No story is touching what Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes, and the Bloodline are doing right now. It's not close. Rhea versus Charlotte. I love Rhea and Charlotte and Rhea versus Charlotte. I love it. It's not close right now. Ray versus Dom. I love Ray. I love Dom. I love Ray versus Dom. It's not close right now. Uh, John. 
Hey, Sam, I have to say, I used to listen to you several years back and loved your stuff for whatever reason. Over the past few years, I haven't caught much of your content. Over the past month or so, I have watched your clips on YouTube. Your insight, opinions, and passion for WWE storytelling is captivating. I wish entire episodes were on YouTube. They're on Patreon. Uh, I'd listen every week. Uh, I'm writing to say I agree with you. I think the WrestleMania Night 1 main event uh, should be the tag match. My only question is, what do you do with Solo? Does he need something at this year's Mania? I think... He does, given the fact how he has been uh, presented as a badass since his debut. I think he's there in his brother's corner opposite KO. Uh, Sammy and their guest in their corner. Their guest, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold is the neutralizer, so no shady shit goes down. Puts more eyeballs on this match as well. What? Thanks for all that you do. What? Uh, I I don't like the uh, manager thing. You know, I, I think that it would distract from the match. It's possible. I don't dislike it, right? And it certainly puts a good spotlight on Solo because it compares him with Stone Cold. Um, but I think all the attention should be on Sammy KO and the Usos. I don't even know if I'm sold on that match after everything we saw on Monday and Friday. But um, I think that Solo needs his own match. But I'll have to tell you after the Elimination Chamber where I think Solo goes because Solo wasn't on SmackDown this week. I think a lot of questions get answered. I think one week from now, one week from today, we'll be able to have a much fuller conversation coming off of the Elimination Chamber. Matt says, Sam, I love your podcast and your insight. However, will you eat your hat? You will eat your hat with ketchup because WWE will not put a tag team championship match as the main event of night one. Uh, I mean, okay, we'll see. Finn Balor is the demon against Edge and Hell in a Cell has a chance to be there, but won't. I think WWE will make Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair the main event of night one, period. Again, love your work. What a great job to get to talk about wrestling for a living. It is a hell of a job. Uh, I've, I've told you how I feel about that. I mean, in terms, of, in terms of Edge versus the demon Finn Balor in Hell in a Cell, I think it's possible. But I think if you look at it logically, I would like to see a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania. And if you, I think that, if the match is going to be the Demon Finn Balor versus Edge, I don't think you need to do it in a Hell in a Cell. I think the Demon at WrestleMania, after all this time, having a full-on WrestleMania entrance and everything. We've been waiting for that forever. I think that it's enough. I think that just the spectacle of the Demon and having him in a match with Edge is plenty. I don't think it needs the Hell in a Cell. However, I do think you bring in the Hell in a Cell to Los Angeles, California. I think that if you look at what you've got, let's go into the women's division, okay? You've got Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. I think the Raw main event will be Bianca Belair versus uh, Raquel Rodriguez. Even if it's not, it'll be one of the other members of the Elimination Chamber match against Bianca Belair. Becky Lynch is not in the Elimination Chamber match. So what do you do with Becky Lynch? Well, she's in this rivalry with Bailey right now. I wouldn't do just a one-on-one -on -one Becky Lynch versus Bailey match at WrestleMania because we've already seen them have matches. I wouldn't do a last woman standing match because we just saw Bailey in a last woman standing match against Bianca Belair. So what would I do? Well, we saw a cage match on Monday Night Raw. That got interrupted by interference. Now the rivalry is moving a step forward 
with a potential multi-person match involving legends like Lita and maybe Trish Stratus. So, what do you do at WrestleMania? Well, Becky Lynch and Bayley need to finally settle the score. And they need to do it in a way where legends aren't going to interfere, where damage control isn't going to interfere. And they can finally just say, here is who won this match without any question. And in order to do that, the cell must be lowered. I think the question is, how do you make Becky Lynch versus Bailey as big as either of the title matches? So there's three massive women's matches at WrestleMania. How do you follow what this storyline has been? And how do you make another Bailey versus Becky match compelling and WrestleMania worthy? Not to take anything away. The answer is a hell in a cell. And even further, not a red hell in a cell, an old school hell in a cell, a solid steel hell in a cell that's gray, gray chain link fence wrapped around the ring and over the top of it. A Shane versus Undertaker hell in a cell. That's the hell in a cell we need for WrestleMania. That's the hell in a cell we need to enclose Bailey and Becky Lynch. Finally, finally, we got an email from Thomas. Thomas says, I'm a longtime listener from Germany, but never wrote you before, but your fantasy booking for the bloodline in your last episode really hit me. I love the idea of Sammy and KO versus the Usos, but still have an idea in my head where I want to hear your opinion. What about Jay Uso really returns at the chamber, but instead of attacking Sammy, he helps him win one title in his hometown for an unbelievable pop. Well, number one, and again, he wrote this before SmackDown. Jay came back on SmackDown. Number two, it's for two titles, not one title. Next SmackDown, Sammy celebrates and KO comes out to join the festivities. Uh, at the end, Owens admits that he's jealous of Sammy uh, after everything he went through and beats him down, uh, leading to Sammy versus KO for the title night one of WrestleMania. Meanwhile, Jay is punished for his actions and expelled uh, from the bloodline. He leaves with the words, you aren't the head of the table and returns shortly after with a message of The Rock. Maybe he's not in single main event shape, but is enough for a tag match setting up Roman and Jimmy versus Rock and Jay for the bloodline at the end of Mania Day 1, plus Roman pins Jimmy, and the show ends with a stare down between Rock and Roman. At Day 2, Cody wins against Roman, who later blames Rock for everything, leading to Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania 40. I'm curious to hear your opinion. You don't want my opinion on this. Thomas, you don't want my opinion on this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, first of all, when you wrote this, you knew that the chamber match was for both titles. I, at one point, set up a fantasy booking before the Royal Rumble where Sammy had one of the titles. No, it was before the Royal Rumble, my fantasy booking was you vacate one of the titles, Sammy versus KO for the vacated WWE Championship, Cody versus Roman for the undisputed WWE Championship. But this, this. So what? You've got Sammy and KO for the title on night one, but that's not even the main event. 
And then you've got this weird tag match, Roman and Jimmy versus Rock and Jay. So Rock has a tag match and the Usos are broken up. And then Roman beats Jimmy. And then we have to get to Cody versus Roman. And then it's a Rock's fault that Cody beat Roman. And then we do Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania 40. I mean, I don't think you have to work nearly that hard to get to the Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40. If you want to do the Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40, what you do is you have the Rock come in and go, hey, Roman, I challenge you to a match at WrestleMania 40. I mean, that's literally all you need to do. There's too much going on here. Not nearly enough effort uh, put into Cody's story. Makes it an afterthought. It's all about Roman, Rock, and the Usos. Not anything about Cody. And Sammy has basically been forgotten in all of this. So I'm sorry, Thomas, as the in the words of Shawn Michaels, I'm sorry I love you, but there's the super kick. I just pinned you. Your career of writing me emails is over. If the rest of you want to write emails, ah, Thomas, you can write emails. <laughs> the rest of you want to write emails. NotSamWrestling at gmail.com is the address. I appreciate y'all. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NotSamWrestling. We're uploading content uh, all the time. I mean, multiple videos a week at this point. All YouTube shorts up the wazoo. Get over there. Stuff's not even on the podcast. Interviews that I did Royal Rumble weekend, they're all up at youtube.com slash NotSamWrestling. You can also... Check out the show live. If you're going to be in town for WrestleMania, get there a day early, two days early, whatever you got to do. Wednesday night, make sure you're in Los Angeles because we will be at the world-famous comedy store in Los Angeles, California, Wednesday, 8 p.m. Go to NotSamLive.com, get your tickets, be a part of Not Samomania, and we'll see you next week post-Elimination Chamber.